This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is brought to you by Fisher Skis. is the Edubounds Podcast. My name is Adam Jabber, and uh, we have my favorite episode of the year, probably, um, with Jamie Walter. Um, it is my favorite episode of the year because we waited two years, three years to do this. Um, we only wanted to do it in person. Um, we've seen each other a couple times since then, but um, it just didn't work out timing-wise to do a full podcast, and I'm glad we waited. Um, it is... I had, I'm more of a listener in this than I am a host. Um, I try to guide a little bit here, but um, it is one of those that, you know, what Jamie's saying is just so, so cool to listen to and to listen to his story and the way that he articulates it. Um, And the topics that we cover, honestly, are, we're really engaging for me. I hope they are for you. Um, That's really, I guess, how I should say it without being like, oh, this is, you have, this is required listening. I don't know. Like, it's really, I had a great time, Um, and thank you to Jamie for spending the time chatting with me um, and just hanging out. Um, The dude's a great dude. He's super busy, and uh, he's doing some really, really big things Um, in photography, for skiing in general. um, The dude's the the man. He couldn't be nicer, couldn't be more humble, um, and couldn't be more honest about his journey so far. So um, I hope you enjoy this episode with Jamie Walter. Um, we have a couple sponsors for today. Um, first is Fisher Skis. Uh, Fisher has been a sponsor, as you know, for quite a while now. Um, and every year I'm excited that they sign back on. And every year it seems to work really well. And every year they have a new product for me to talk about. So it works out really well. Um, this year they have the new Trans Alp boot, which is kind of filling the gap uh, in the touring boot line. Uh, it is basically a stiffer, more performance downhill oriented boot uh, than the Traverse. It is more, um, it is lighter weight. It is more touring centered than the Ranger series. So um, Fisher at this point has basically four different pin boot options for you in the Traverse, the Transalp, the Ranger, and the Ranger 1, which is the wide option. I mean, nobody else of the major players is committing to ski touring the same way that Fisher is. And I really, really think that that's the boot you should look for. Like if you're looking for a boot, right, this fall that does tour it, like you're primarily ski touring, you're doing everything. I don't know, dude, honestly, just go try the boot on. Go try on a Fisher boot, any of them, um, and tell me I'm wrong. The product is awesome. I'm always psyched to work with these guys and it's, uh, it's a pretty tight knit crew over there. Um, check all their stuff out at www.fishersports.com. Um, and you can get, uh, get all the lowdown on the new boots and I'm sure your local shop will have them soon. Um, that boot did really well. Um, also want to say a quick thank you to our friends at Blizz Eyewear. Blizz makes some awesome glasses, uh, goggles and all kinds of other stuff. Um, you can go to enjoywinter.com, um, and save yourself 30% by using promo code out of bounds, capital O, capital O, capital B. 30% 30% off, and they'll throw in some free swag for you. Um, and again, that's enjoywinter.com to access all the Blizz stuff. Um, and they also sell a bunch of other um, cross-country-oriented items as well on that site. Um, they just sent me a pair of their new photochromic fusions, and I am a big fan. So 
um, check those things out. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you more about it next week. Uh, what else do we got? Oh, yeah. If you haven't listened yet, Big Stick Energy is out right now. They just had episode number two um, with Marcus, Confessions of a Ski Bum, um, on Instagram. That was an awesome listen, and I really hope you guys will spend some time uh, and checking out check out some of the new shows. There is The Pursuit on Wednesdays with Mr. Adam X. Big Stick Energy is on Mondays. And John Kroom, um, our in-house cyclist here, is on Thursdays with Coffee and Van Chats. So I hope you guys will take some time and listen to that stuff. Uh, be sure to check out the new website. It's just www.outofcollective.com. And yeah, that's basically it. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you get the opportunity. That helps a shit ton. It, it really does. So um, do us a favor, leave us a five-star review, and let's keep this thing rolling. Um, without further ado, here's my friend, Jamie Walter. Sick. Jamie, Jamie Walter, tell people who you are, tell people a little bit about yourself, and we'll go from there. What's going on? Uh, I'm Jamie Walter. I'm a skiing action adventure photographer based in Portland, Maine. Uh, I'm also an outdoor commercial filmmaker, director, sometimes producer. I do a lot of outdoor-related Maine and New England tourism-based film and photography work. Sick. And this is full-time gig. This is you all the time, 100%. Full-time, more than full-time, overwhelming, always something to do sort of deal. But yeah, no, I've been uh, freelancing, at least in the photography space, for five years now, at least shooting professionally for eight to ten. Okay. And uh, been in the filmmaking world, working on that more and more, uh, at least three years now. So Sick. Um, Based in Maine originally? Yep, born, raised in Maine, lived here my entire life, actually, believe it or not. Planning on staying here? Yeah, I will be here for the foreseeable future. It's a, it's a pretty cool state, man. Like, that's something that I, like, try to embody in my work, and, like, a lot of my work is driven around promoting Maine and New England. It's, like, I am, like, my mission, I've made it my mission to promote this area. I think it's underappreciated I think it's such a great place to have that like work-life balance. You mm. have mountains, you have coastline, you have surfing, skiing, hiking, biking, running, climbing, like all the activities you want at like your disposal in a pretty short space and like geographically confined, like all within the state of Maine, at least alone. Mm. You can go up to Mount Katahdin, you can go to Sugarloaf or Angeli Saddleback for your mountain fix. There's like awesome hiking and camping up there you can be on the coast surfing some pretty cool breaks like there's big swell coming in this weekend uh with a hurricane offshore and like when it's on it's on it's good surfing they're world famous surf photographers that are based in maine new hampshire uh if you want to go rock climbing there's killer rock climbing along the coast so like there's all these activities all this awesome stuff to do in maine and i you know for a while it was like Instagram influencers were like, go to Alberta, Iceland, like yeah. the West Coast. And, you know, taking so much of the attention away from like what so many people had right in their backyards. Yeah. And I think with like the pandemic and I think with more people like switching to remote work or moving home when they lost a job in a big city and things became unaffordable. A lot of my friends that have like made it back in the last year or two are like realizing that now and like are shifting direction, shifting focus on chasing the rat race down in New York City, Boston mm. to like living in places like Portland, Maine or 
uh, Burlington, Vermont, uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, um, North Conway. Yeah. Like all these great little like quasi, I don't know if you call Portland Maine a mountain town. It's like, but I digress. It's like they're moving to these back to these places they grew up and are realizing like, oh shit, there's so much we can do right in this vicinity and it can be full on like you can go on mount washington and like suffer some pretty severe experiences and like face some gnarly conditions and then you can score like all-time conditions that's totally you know when it's good it's good so that's been my like wait like perfect question off the bat like (laughs) that is so my mantra and something i definitely wanted to cover is like talking about just like that's my mission and so a lot of my work is focused on promoting that covering that showing it highlighting it working with brands and companies and tourism agencies that promote and embody that kind of work and so yeah for the foreseeable future long story long like (laughs) that is how um i view uh, my next five, ten, however many years is being here, and and until I feel satisfied in that, I don't think I'll be leaving anytime soon. Are you? So I have two questions on this front. I guess one is like the typical, why didn't you move west? And I think we'll get to that because I think typically in New England you see that pilgrimage get made where it's like, oh, I'm now successful in New England. I move out west and I do other things, or I'm looking for new opportunity. I go and I move to Colorado, right? Um, it seems like that happens all the time. Why has Maine kind of been home for you still? I know you just explained like, oh, like all these things that make Maine so awesome, but there's a lot of those things out West as well. So what's the reason for keeping you here? Totally. And I've got another, I'm sure a long winded answer cause it's a long story, but right. No, but it makes, um, yeah, that's what people want to know. I think totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was definitely like early high school, you know, I, I grew up on newschoolers.com. Like that was my like upbringing through high school. Uh, for those of you that don't know, new schoolers is like the freestyle skiing website. It is the, it was like the Reddit before Reddit, the YouTube before YouTube, like, and just for skiing. It was, I, I was just obsessed. I spent so much time on that website, like just consuming skiing nonstop 24 seven. So obviously yeah, in high school, you start thinking about your career path and where you want to go to college and what you want to do in life. And like I were, you and I were just talking just before we started recording how like if I hadn't gotten into photography and filmmaking, it would have been engineering. Um, and so like I have a very math science background, like base background, um, you know, love that, that type of that's just how my brain functions. It's numbers, it's patterns, it's whatever. Um and so was looking at like, I wanted to go to University of Utah so badly or like University of Montana, you know, some en- some school that had a good engineering program out West, U Boulder. Um, so I was looking at all of these. Uh, my parents were definitely like, no, you got to stay close to home. Like you're not going out West mm. to be a ski bum. Um, and then my junior year of high school, um, just after the ski season ended, I like came down with like pretty, pretty severe depression. Um, I was diagnosed with like, you know, I just, I was in bed for days on end, like couldn't get out of bed. Like, you know, April break had happened. Um, I got on this college road trip, um, got back and I slept for like 72 hours, like couldn't get out of bed. was just like, I don't know if it was, 
a catalyst of like other events in my life or if it was like the pressure of college and like being afraid of whatever came next like to this day I still have no idea why it happened but um I essentially like over the next couple of years from like junior year of high school through what would have been my early years of college was just like totally useless as a human being essentially like had no and it was just out of the blue like it was just totally like out of the blue that's... like I, my family has some history of depression and like i you know it, there were a few things there that certainly could have uh predicted it in some ways but the catalyst for it is still like a very like unknown to me and like yeah i don't know if i'll ever remember or even removed from that you're like i still don't know what would have caught like, exactly that's, which yeah is insane so yeah so i am uh, fun fact is like i'm a high school dropout like i didn't finish that's my crazy. senior year of high school i took some i got my ged like just as like a hey like you need to do at least like the bare minimum so you have this later on like when you're feeling better so um, got my GED, took like some community college classes just to like stay up to speed. Um, my parents were like super understanding and like, I owe so much to them. I like, you know, love and will always appreciate, like they were never forceful. They were never, you know, Oh, you're going through bullshit. Like it's not real. Like whatever, right, like right, suck right. it up, get out there. You're on your own. They were very understanding and supportive. So I took some community college classes and, um, you know, was hanging out at home and then skiing and like skiing newschoolers.com and what eventually became photography were like the three things that got me through life. Like the, Mm -hmm. like when all else was dull and boring and like, I couldn't find any sort of like joy or excitement in the world. It was like going on new schoolers, watching ski videos And then ultimately started to transform into like, I want to make ski videos. I want to take pictures of skiing. Hmm. Um, So, you know, bought a camera, was starting to mess around with it. I'd go out and take pictures in the backyard of my little brother, Mac, um, skiing on a backyard setup we had in the middle of summer. Come back in, edit the photos, be like, wow, these fucking suck. Like, how can I do better? (laughs) Hop onto YouTube, like watch a tutorial. Okay, like we're going to try this again. Like, let's go back outside. And like wash, rinse, repeat this cycle of like learning photography. Um, and then in the winter times, I was up at Sugarloaf all the time, skiing up there, um, taking photos and videos of my friends. I had like this core group of guys that we just skied every weekend together as you do in high school and college age. And we'd get together and make little park edits. I'd take pictures, kind of doing both. And then... Um, you know, as I was probably like 20 years old, um, Sugarloaf you know, for reference, how old do you know? I'm 28. Okay. Um, so yeah, like eight years ago, um, Sugarloaf mountain took notice of some of my work and they were looking for like this entry level snow reporter marketing position. Um, so those guys reached out, they said, Hey, we got this pretty cool job that I think you'd be good at like it's just running social media and uh taking pictures and updating our website um i didn't know what marketing was at the time like i my career path was so like engineering math science is like applicable like yeah you know you go to school you do this um i don't think i ever paid attention to like marketing and advertising and like knew it was like a role for people um, but I like to take pictures. I like to ski the job, like <laughs> required me to be on snow every day. I was in the office. So I was like, sure. Um, so started working there when I was 
20 years old, 2013 maybe. Um, worked at the ski resort for a couple of winters, you know, kind of grew in my position to more of like website, social media, photography, content managing. Um, I skied 140 something days that first year I worked up there. Um, you know, would ski a hundred plus days a season, shoot every day. Um, and then, uh, was also doing work with newschoolers.com. So traveling for, um, event coverage, like West Coast session, I would go on trips with them for like sponsored content for travel Alberta or, um, Quebec maritime, um, go out and shoot urban skiing with some of the friends whenever, you know, skiers came to the East coast, I would try to go link up with them. So was balancing this like, Hey, I have a full-time job at Sugarloaf and then all these awesome ski industry assignments where I get to go, you know, rip around with Eric Pollard, um, called me up on a Tuesday once and was like, Hey, can you get to Idaho on Saturday? Um, (laughs) and I was like, uh, ran up to my boss, my boss's office at Sugarloaf, Ethan Austin. I, I'll get to that in a second, but I owe Ethan a lot. And one of the reasons is because I barge into his office and I'm like, (laughs) dude, like Eric Pollard just called me. He wants me to be in Idaho on Saturday. Can I please go? I will do X, Y, Z. Like, you know, talking at a million. Yeah, work all the extra hours. I'll do whatever I can. Yeah, do whatever I can. And he just sits there and laughs and he goes, dude, I'm not going to tell you no. Like, of course, like just leave us a list of everything. Like get everything in place, do your work and yeah like that's fucking awesome yeah that's amazing um so more and more over the three four years that i worked there um i was having like these other opportunities pop up where eventually it didn't make sense to have a full-time job at a resort when i had all these other opportunities that were paying well and uh involving travel and getting me out the door and to these awesome experiences and places um, so when I was 20, I think I was 23 years old, it's 2016. I sat down for lunch one day with my boss, Ethan. And, you know, I said, Hey, like, I think I'm going to pursue freelance work full time. Like, I don't think it makes sense for me to be full time at Sugarloaf anymore. And so, um, he was super supportive. It was a matter of if, when, not if to him, yeah. like it was, um, you know, a long time coming, but Again, like I owe so much to Ethan because he was just like a leader, not a boss, like built me up with That's the, the resources I yeah. needed to succeed, how to improve my like writing, um, you know, and then when there was ever, I got super excited about photography projects. So whenever there was an opportunity, it was like, what do you need from me to achieve these, you know, I have this idea, Ethan, like, what can I, you know, and then it was, what can I do to help you? Um, so I owe him a lot to that because I was able to really build my career and achieve a lot while I was there that obviously benefited the mountain by having this like young, ambitious guy on staff that just wanted to shoot pictures all the time and do all this crazy stuff. Uh, so yeah. So in fall, winter of 2016, I went freelance full time. Traveled a bunch for work, um, was shooting do tour in Colorado and, um, I went out to Japan a couple of years later and, uh, all over the West coast, British Columbia, um, California, Mammoth, um, Utah, 
got so I got to travel to all these places and experience all this stuff like right off the bat after mm. leaving my job. But I was always coming home to Maine and I always loved like returning back mm. here. And I was and it was kind of this realization that like I went from in that like high school era of like I have to live out in these areas and they're beautiful and like I yeah. wanna like ski all the time and do this to you know, getting to experience all these different places and like not being able to pick one, but loving, loving the experience of traveling. But then I was always coming home to this awesome place that I just felt at home in. Yeah. And, um, you know, over, excuse me, over the time that I had to travel and, um, experience, you know, everywhere across the world. And I'm super fortunate and thankful that my camera allowed me to go to these places. I just kind of realized like, you know what, like that, those places will always be there. I can always access them. But like, I also have this amazing backyard that I started to appreciate and like look forward to coming back to more Mm. and more every trip. Uh, Isn't that part weird? Like I have that same experience with, like I live in East Hampton, Mass. And for me, it's nothing special, but it's beautiful. It's like where Mount Tom is and it's, mm -hmm. it's very cool. But I used to think that I wanted to move everywhere else except for Western Mass, right? Totally. Now I come home and I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm so happy to be back home. This feels like I'm coming, like, it feels like home. I have no interest in leaving because I'm leaving all the time to go Colorado, Utah, Portland, whatever. Like, you're in those places, you're experiencing them, and then you're like, I could never pick between those places if I had to move somewhere else. And it also kind of just puts you in a different position. So when you come home, you're like, this is home. This is like home base. I feel comfortable. I can get my reset and I can move back on. Right. It's such a weird feeling. Like, cause 18 year old me would be like, what are you doing right. in Western mass still? Like what's going on? Like you need to move on. A hundred percent. And people, you know, especially in Maine, like everyone goes through that. I feel like in high school and you know, you, you grow up in a small town and, you know, there are the people growing up, the townies, whatever, that right, have right, been right. there their whole life. Yeah, and you're like, like, I don't want to be that like, guy. Yeah. I don't want to be that guy. And, that, you know, it, granted, like a lot of those like, quote unquote, townies, like they really, truly like don't leave. They don't have these like right. worldly experiences. And so they do get closed minded and right. l- locked into their like kind of cyclical, overly obsessed about their, you know, community sort of deal. Um but yeah, when you have the opportunity to like experience other places and travel and, you know, gain that worldly view, but like still feel passionate and connected to a community, I think that's really special. Totally. And I think it's, yeah, I think it's something that like, isn't some, it's not anything to frown upon. And like, I still feel like I've experienced different cultures and Dude, you gone to different places. you more than most people who move out, like who move to these places because you're free to go wherever you want and you have your home base. Yeah. And I've like moved around in within Maine enough to like, I know what it's like to like live in one community for a bit. And you can be in these awesome, amazing places. Like I lived on Mount Desert Island, which is Acadia National Park for mm-hmm. a year and a half. And like you can have all these amazing resources in your backyard and it's awesome but you also get like super – I look back on that and I was like, wow, I didn't do so much because I lived there and it was yeah. right there the whole time. Yeah. And I was still yearning to do other things in other places. And I, I feel like I missed some of the stuff that anyone from like an outside perspective would be like, oh, you must have done X, Y, Z all the time. You must have, you know, had all of these experiences and, and done all the cool things you know, 24 seven. And it was like, no, I, 
was either working or traveling or it was tourist season and I didn't want to deal with like going to these places all the time. So it's no different living there than like Jackson Hole, Wyoming, for example. Like, yeah, I could have, got you know, been at my desk for five days a week and indoors or whatever and totally missed out on most of the experiences there. But um I almost think it's like the familiarity you have with your backyard, like the yeah. comfort of like knowing like if I have 48 hours where I can escape here in Maine and go, you know, on a little adventure, I'm inspired, the weather looks good, whatever, like I know exactly where I want to go, where yeah. I'm going to have an awesome time. I'm going to, if it's the summer, avoid the crowds or if it's the winter, I'm going to, you know, find somewhere that I really want to be or haven't been before, but it's a off the beaten <clears> path. Um, I, f I have this like local knowledge that I love just being able to like be resourceful with and yeah experience that oh, like totally. if I, you know, I'd probably end up in the same places over and over again that are not f very well known if I had moved to a mountain community and only spent a winter there or something, you know? Right. So I was always curious about your connection to new schoolers too. And this kind of like clears up a lot for me yep. because I'm like, you look at your work and you're shooting like beautiful touristy type photos. You're shooting, I mean, you used to shoot more park stuff too, but I was just like, that transition is very weird to my head because yep. like outdoor lifestyle type photography and new schoolers don't necessarily like in my head merge. Yeah, it's totally. very, they're very different, right? New schoolers like, you just think of like forums and like yeah, the yeah, shit that trolls. goes on internet trolls and like edits from some kid's backyard and like that kind of thing. And then you're producing like this beautiful, clean, like basically ready to put on a billboard type photography or onto a page. Like it's, it's very different, but that connection makes a lot of sense. So I guess one of my questions here is what, what's changed for new schoolers? What can change? And like, what can people look for now that gives them that same kind of connection that you found with new schoolers? Because I had the same thing, right? Like I was on the totally. forums all the time. I'm like, I'm looking forward. Like uh, it's my news site. And with bikes, it was like, I would go on like the come up all the time. And I'm like, just yep. there, like looking for new edits, like looking for things to like engage with. And it takes you away from your life as like a late teen, early, you know, early young adult. I feel like we're losing a little bit of that here and I'm like wondering what the next step for that is because people need that kind of shit in their life and things are changing. Yeah, absolutely. And I like I feel so fortunate in a way and like look back on that with such like wow, if I had been you know, maybe 10 years older or 10 years younger, I would have totally missed that part of like the internet era where it wasn't just social media, it wasn't just Reddit, Facebook, Instagram, and like now TikTok, I guess, that like people <laughs> consume like everything through. Yeah, you just swipe it up. It was keep like going, you, you had to put in a little effort to find like what you were looking for, but these like unbelievably cool communities existed mm. in like before they got bought up or like before there wasn't a reasonable path forward for them with ad revenue or whatever they were like they were like online magazines essentially yeah. but like had these communities and video and photo and like it was so rad to be like new schoolers was popping at the time we had like i remember like 
you know, thousands of members would be online at like 8 p.m. Eastern time on like a Tuesday. Yeah, totally. And it would be, you know, the forums would be like every post would have like recent comments. Oh, and, and you see it on the sidebar. You like yeah, see who, who's the live online, and you're like, oh, real professionals are here. Like they're yeah, online and, communicating. And, and, and that's you. another thing. Yeah, you were like engaging with like skiing, you know, freestyle skiing is like a pretty niche community, like pretty totally. small in the grand scheme of right. action sports communities and stuff. But like... It was, like, I can't think of many other forums, many other sub-communities of skateboarding, surfing, mountain biking. Right. Um, You know, Pink Bike's a great example because we can get into that after this. But, um, yeah, like, New Schoolers was like, Tom Wallish was on there. Like, all these pro skiers were on there engaging with it. The kid came up through the website. Like yeah. some of these kids like emerged just because they were members and making videos. And like that is to me is like the coolest just experience to have had. And like, I'm so thankful for that site for existing and for one, allowing me to like build a career out of it. Like, I guess you could say I was the same thing just on the media side of like yeah. finding my fit through it and feeling like a part of a community and then growing my craft, having an audience to share it with and then getting recognition through it and, you know, carrying on to where I am today. And that's super cool. I mean, as far as like those sites and platforms moving forward and sustaining themselves in the 21st century or 2021, I guess, it's it's all been the 21st century. It just evolves so quickly. I feel like, um, you know, I think New Schoolers does a good job with their Instagram page, you know, becoming like a curation <clears throat> platform for freestyle skiing content. And like, that's great. And it's different though. But like, it's, it's so different. Like, yeah. I, even Pat, Brody Levin tweeted something yesterday or two days ago and was like, oh, like I used to, I remember like frothing at the mouth, literally going to Powder Magazine's website and being like, this is where I'm finding all the news. I'm ready to go. Like that's dead now. New Schoolers is not the same thing as it used to be in terms of, like, community and finding that information, especially, like, preseason stoke and skiing is so fucking important. Oh, my God, It is, like, the thing. It is, like, almost more important than the actual season itself, debatably, because it's, like, where all of it happens. The the season is not very long. The preseason is very long. Oh, my God, dude. Every – I mean, we're recording this early September right now, and, like – I'm starting to get that itch. Totally. That's, like, become a habit. You know, my body knows that September comes around – and I start scratching, yeah, I start totally. fiending, and I start watching edits and like movie teasers are dropping and like the palpable excitement that builds in these communities and like around skiing because it's a seasonal sport. And I'm sure mountain biking experience is the same thing to some degree, but like, man, when winter's coming and totally. like you're going to movie premieres and all this stuff is happening, you know, obviously for you, you know, the experience of like the sales start ticking up in shops mm. and like the equipment the gear reviews hit in yep. usually in September, like RIP powder. And, um, there are not many like print magazines coming out as much as they used to, but like those would land yeah. September, August. And like, you would open them up and like, it just hit so hard. And so, yeah, it's, it's so interesting because these platforms like Instagram and Facebook, they don't really create that sense of community the way these online forums used to. Yeah, and and still do to some extent. Like new schoolers still still exist. There's still people that post yeah. on there. It just doesn't. Uh, there's just so there's so many other sources of 
distraction of people's attention that they don't dedicate it to mm. this all-in-one platform like they used to. Um, and like, yeah, it it's baffling because I, you know, still talk with and contribute to the new schoolers um, team a bunch. And, you know, and those they're guys, great. I don't mean like, I'm yeah, not yeah, saying no, no, it in no. a negative way at all. Like, I love those guys. I think they're the shit. But it's like the way that the market has changed is just different now than yeah. it was. Yeah. And they like talk to 16 year olds or, you know, however <laughs> yeah. they are now. And they're like, oh, new schoolers is a website. I just thought it was an Instagram or a Snapchat. Totally. Like account. Yeah, like, right. And they just have no idea. And it's, you know, obviously like freestyle skiing <clears throat> is evolving too. And it's going through like this. Now it's shifting more to backcountry, and so many of like our idols growing totally. up in the park yep. are now, you know, half of them like especially the street skiers are retired and on to new things. Um, a lot of the like big jump guys are now just skiing pow and totally. you know in the backcountry, and that's cool. And like I love that shit, and I've evolved to that point too. Yeah. So I love seeing it and like continue to follow these guys. There's still guys like the Bunch and Magnus, you know, doing these really cool progressive street skiing segments. Um, Alex Hackle, who I used to shoot with when he was probably 13 or 14 when he was living <laughs> in at Sunday River, um, you know, he's with the bunch in there. Those guys are crushing it. But um, it, yeah, the transformation of skiing, the transformation of the Internet, the transformation of the way we consume content, the death of magazines and the state of like climate change and skiing like skiing is in a really interesting position and obviously yeah. like diversity and like the <clears throat> the kind of um amassing of the conglomeration of all these like resorts into these mega resorts obviously the mm. icon epic passes and um you know there's just so much going on in the industry it's hard to keep track of what the solution is and what the future is and like yeah. what it holds um i yeah it's, it's kind of mind-blowing it really is like if you think about all the different things that we're like kind of battling with as an industry it's like like you said climate change we're, we're worrying about to me it's like i want more people in skiing but then every time i say that somebody's like look at the line at mount snow yeah. on a saturday i don't need anybody else here i'm already parking in fucking africa like your park's so far away you're like <laughs> yeah. you're like it's it's so insane because there's got to be opportunity for everybody to go skiing. But at the same time, it's like, we're barely handling the people that we have now. It's, so I'm, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of at a loss for, for that side of things. And I just don't know, but I guess huge, so, huge can of worms. I probably a discussion for another day. Exactly. Like, yeah. It's so cow, dude. There's, I mean, yeah, just even like the specifics of what media means in the ski industry now to like, just oh, dude, I can't imagine whole, how like, stressful as a photographer it must be, like, to be, I, I mean, on Instagram, too. It's like, I remember when I was talking to Brooks two weeks ago, he's like, Instagram is not for my photography. It's not no. a photography page. It is for memes and, like, viral content, and, like, that's really all you use it for, which totally. is weird it's because that's... completely changed. It's sta it started as, like, the complete opposite thing. Yeah, and it was a huge deal for photographers. Yeah, You know, you'd post your content on there and, like, get recognition, and, you know, it was a platform. It was great. Uh, and some people like, you know, there are some influencers that continue to focus specifically on photography, um, and like have huge followings, but like, honestly, you know, I've like, my following was never huge. Like, I don't care about it that much. I'd never really have. And honestly, I appreciate that I have like a core, like a more smaller, more core audience mm. 
But your audience my... knows what they're going to get from you too. Exactly. And like I don't treat that platform as like I post the work and the stuff that I like. Like I, yeah. you know, there's I, so many of my friends over the years, like fellow new schooler ski photographers that got their start the same way I did you know, try, uh, transformed into like the travel guys that chased Alberta and totally. Iceland and stuff. And they yep. added the same filters as everyone else. And they posted the same compositions as everyone else. And, um, it really like it homogenized and like unified so many people that were kind of in it for the wrong reasons yeah. into one community, one style, like everything was just the same. And so I, you know, I'm, you know, obviously like was influenced by a lot of this stuff early on and like still draw influence from a lot of these photographers because they are talented, but have also like stuck to my own path and just like, you know, posted the stuff that I am proud of and I enjoyed making. And like, yeah, I don't care if it's, you know, it's not meant to get a thousand likes because the platform isn't even like, well, what's a double tap from someone? They stare at your their, your image People don't look anymore. on a screen just, that's three inches wide, two inches yeah, wide, yeah. and scroll on. Like, yeah. you think about it, like, there's just, there's no value in that. And it's so different than, like, opening a print magazine and having this, like, tangible eight and a half by 11 or 11 by yes. 17 inch copy that you can hold and touch and stare at and, like, just, like, take it all in and, like, not just a little phone screen, like... It's so so much better to have work published and like, um, one thankful that I had opportunities for that. And, uh, and in fact, I have a, the ski journal is running, um, a feature on a gallery on some of my work, uh, in their September issue, I think this year. Um, so like super excited for these opportunities to like consume my work through print versus like a phone screen. Like, yeah. I, and that's, that's what I'd rather do, especially for skiing. I just that, and that's the content that got me into it in the first place, opening magazines right. and seeing those images life size and just like stopping <laughs> and staring at them. Yeah. It was just so much cooler and so inspirational and influential for me that like, I guess, contributing back to that is hugely important and, you know, way worth way more of my effort and time than oh, a social dude, media platform I, is. I can't tell. And I'm like not going to spend too much time on this because I've talked about it too much and everybody knows this. But like, <laughs> I think it's Instagram is trash, right? Like yeah. I use Instagram as a literal trash bucket. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, I totally. put Shit words, posted. I put words on a fucking box and I put them on Instagram and that's like how we do content. Yeah. That's not content. It's not work. It took me three seconds. It's something I thought of while I was taking a shit half the time. You know, it's like <laughs> exactly. literally, so it's like not a thing that should be valued in any real way, but people care about people shirt. And it's like, it has some value there in some ways, but it's like, for me, it doesn't bring me any value versus opening a magazine seeing something you're like fuck i want to go skiing that is so like it looks good it actually makes you feel something because you're holding it you're seeing it you're like picturing yourself in that situation and a lot of times it's a very yeah it's a different thing so anyway enough about social totally what how do people get into being a freelance photographer because i feel like that's one of the most daunting things is like i don't know how i'm going to make money and that's what my question is i guess is how how did you figure out how to make money? How did you figure out like how to make this work? And obviously being good is a certain percentage of it. And you have to have, you know, a certain quality of work has to be achieved before you can start getting paid. But 
there's a lot of people that are really good photographers that are not getting paid a single dollar. So how, what's the difference there? Totally, man. That's a really great question. I'm glad you asked it. Um, I think from my personal experience, the best advice like I can give and I try to give, I taught some workshops for like high school age kids and they all get really excited about it. And you know, my, the number one piece of advice I give is just shoot all the goddamn time. Like mm. I, when I was starting out at Sugarloaf, I, A, had the ambition and drive to do it, but B, my job was to literally take a picture every day of, yeah. and like specifically of the same general location. I was at one mountain. I, you know, the only variables that changed were the weather on a given day and like how I saw the world when I woke up that morning. Mm. And so to like go out and like have that challenge of like, creating something new, something different, something that you haven't done before every single day was absolutely by far and away, like the number one way I improved my photography and like was able to grow as an artist and like become where I am today in some sense. I owe a lot to that. I shot 150,000 photos a year. I have an archive, like my archives, like I've saved every still image I've ever taken since I got really? my first camera. I have over a million individual raw God, images. That's so, like that's it's stress. probably a million that and a half That sounds like stress now. to me. Like that seems yeah. like so much stuff to just think about, to have. It's like, probably oh spread on 30, we're sitting down in my office right now and there's probably 35 different hard drives like uh, just hidden out of sight here that have like <laughs> literally a million, a million and a half images. Like Holy it's ridiculous. Shit. But like, that's what it takes. It's like, to become a master, you got to put in 10,000 hours or whatever the right, saying is. Right. Like you, it's it's far more than that, but the idea is like you just got to put in the time totally. and like learn it and consume it. And for me, it was absolutely like an obsession of mine. Like every time I, you know, like not to go back to our social media story, but like for a while, like when I was consuming a lot of like photography content on there was more photo driven than like meme driven. Yeah. I would like actively try to scroll through Instagram. So I'd stop and I'd look at an image. Okay. Like why did I just double tap this? You know, what is it? Is it the composition? Is it the light? Mm. Is it the location? Is it the action? Is it, um, you know, what did the photographer do? Didn't do what, what I would do differently. Like yeah. take the time to like stop and like learn from other people's work and like also like go through my own work and be like, okay, like, what would I have done differently in this picture that I was there for? I took it. How can I improve it and do better next time? Like, you know, is this, am I putting too many twigs in my foreground or is it the background too distracting? Is the light not quite right? Is my composition off? Is my timing off? Like, all, you know, for action sports, like that's obviously huge and you have to process all this information like in fractions of a second when something is going on and oftentimes you don't get a second chance. Like once someone puts a track through a nice patch of powder, like you're done. That's it, yeah. Um, so just like trying to learn and practice it. And so, okay. Like I want to do this next time I shoot or like, these are the things I'm thinking of go out and shoot washers, go in the edit edits. You're going through your pictures. Oh, I fucked this up. Oh, I did this. Well, all right. Like lessons learned for next time. And you just like, it's just constantly a learning game. So like, to at least go from like, all right, I want to take pictures to like, I want to shoot professionally. Like my number one piece of advice is put in the fucking work and yeah. like 
you just got to learn it. And then as far as like the business side of it goes, I know a lot of really, really talented photographers that are horrible business people and don't make money from their photography and do it for fun, either out of, you know, just desire to not profit off their art and to just keep their art as fun. Um, and I know a lot of <clears throat> mediocre photographers that are incredibly business savvy and do incredible probably better than they should be doing for mm. their quality of work. So it's definitely like there is a business side to the work. You have to be able to sell yourself. You have to be able to have conversations with clients. You have to learn that like, it's not just creating the art that you want. It's like what the client wants and needs and then being able to deliver on that. Like you have to have this confidence in your abilities, your talents and your skill set to problem solve if and when, and it's more when than not, like something goes wrong. The weather isn't right. The, you know, it's shoot day and, you know, your talent doesn't show up and you're improvising or like things just aren't going your way. Like so much of professional photography is like problem solving, working on the fly, like having to change, march to a different beat very suddenly, very rapidly. Do you and get stressed at that stuff? Like, does that stress you out? Sometimes it does. I I think it depends on like the mm -hmm. amount of pressure I have. Okay. Um. Sometimes I love it. Like I thrive on it. Yeah. No. Some, same. Sometimes I feel the it's same. like yeah. I'm problem solving is like to me like I I am like a very like pre visual person and like in my art like it's like close my eyes and I'm like all right like this is exactly what I want this image to come out with and oftentimes right. like a lot of my stuff action sports especially it is a lot of like pre-visualization you have to know a place or see something in your mind and then like work backwards to with your settings with your composition with your rider to get them to do exactly what you want them to do in the place that you want to do it to create that image so like i am like definitely more that type of photographer than a photographer that um just sh you know can document stories and things unfolding as it happens and make like really beautiful images like from their hip mm -hmm. uh and like just observe and like there are a lot of like really talented photographers i respect that a lot um but yeah like there are times where like i'm thrown presented a challenge something isn't going right and like you don't have time to stress out you don't yeah. have time to freak out. You don't have time to like bitch and moan. Like who cares? You're yeah. the professional here. Like you have to buck up and like come up with something like immediately. So like, I think there's a lot of that missing now. Like for real, like people don't do that enough now where they're like, Oh, in the moment I need to just fucking suck yeah. it up and do this shit. Like this shit needs to, I need to do this. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm definitely a victim of like that. Like when I'm at my desk and like I'm doing something that like I can afford a little bit of time to just like <laughs> moan and lament. Like yeah. I'm so, yeah. everyone, is, everyone is guilty Absolutely. of that. Yep. But like, yeah, there are those times where it's like, I don't have time to even think I just have to do and I have to do plan B. And so I do think like it is helpful to like, all right, this is the goal. This, this is plan A. This is exactly what I want to have happen if A, B and C are met. Yep. But, like, you definitely don't want to invest, put all your eggs in that basket and, like, invest yourself too much into that plan. Like, definitely consider backups. And I think that's a lesson that you learn over time through doing the work professionally enough is, like, you go out and you, you know, sell this idea of doing this amazing sunset photo, whatever it is. 
And then sunset sucks. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and you don't come back empty handed. But then you like learn to like curb your expectations, like curb what you're selling. And then like, you know, having those options. So like, should sunset suck, you still come up with something creative and like unique and cool. Yeah. And it, it's almost like, and I guess this is a piece of advice is like, you got option A, which is like the dream scenario, that banger portfolio piece, the sun, the everything is just in the right place at the right time. It would win you an award. Option B is like, well, one or two things are missing, but like it's a pretty good shot. And then option C is like, well, it was foggy, but like we did this cool something else instead. Sell option B. Yeah. You know, maybe sell option C and then under promise over deliver. Yeah. Like that's, so it's just like little things like that. You just learn through doing it. Um, for people this day and age that like want to get into freelance photography and like, again, I've done this with every question you've asked. <laughs> Tell some crazy story that get back Dude, to the perfect. answer. perfect. This is the, but, by the way, best way you could do this ever because like nobody gives a fuck what I have to say. They hear me every <laughs> single time. They give a fuck about what you have to say and I that's what's really important. That. Yeah. No. And um, yeah, I think like, to do it professionally in this day and age, like you definitely have to have a little bit of natural talent. I think you want to be business savvy. You have to, you know, know and feel not selfless, but like not embarrassed and not ashamed to just reach out to like different companies, different um, opportunities that you want to work in Mm. agencies, brands uh marketing directors slide into dms whoever like and just like reach out and take advantage of every opportunity and i say this with an asterisk that is like don't let those opportunities take advantage of you yeah like don't just like suddenly start doing all this free work and no yeah like you know get get squashed with like bad licensing rights or like sell your photos outright to a company and like suddenly they're throwing them on billboards and you got a free pair of swag yeah you right. know you got a pair of shorts out of it that's gotta be deal. extremely frustrating yeah so like i definitely like that's a beginner's mistake is like people don't understand that like their work has value and like some of these big brands like if they choose to work with you they oftentimes like could and should pay you for the work especially if you do a good job but um uh, like a lot of times like you know they aren't willing to and it devalues the industry as a whole when like you work for free and like give away your photos for like the lowest option yeah and then like they think it's okay you think it's okay but like the professional that relies on it as income is suddenly like oh well photographer b can give me a, you know i give him a hundred dollars in a pair of totally. shorts and like he's stoked and we're good but the professional and being a professional is all about like being able to deliver like quality content reliably yeah and like do a good job no matter what and like do it right um and so yeah like and that comes at a price Right. Like, yeah, when you're total, I mean, dude, it's like my one sticking point with this show is like, I will not take product for trade. Like people love to be like, oh, product, here you go. Yeah. You can have some sunglasses. <laughs> and I'm like, no, product like, doesn't pay my rent. It, it dude. doesn't pay anybody. It doesn't pay my rent. It doesn't pay my bill. Like this shit's not free. And it also doesn't take care of my time. 
Yeah. It's like a shit's worth. I love doing this, but it's not for just fun. I exactly. can't afford to do it for fun forever. But if people are going to pay me, then I could do it for fun for as long as I want to. You know, as long yeah. as it is fun, I can keep doing it. So Definitely, man. It's a it's a hard thing to do. Um, yeah, yeah. You exactly. You get it for sure. And like you know, it's a different vessel, but same beast. Like totally. You have to stand up for yourself. You have to. I devalue Powell, right? Like, if I take shit for free, Mike Powell gets devalued because, like, now I'm my show at whatever level comparison we're at is taking shit for free. So why would anybody give him stuff if I'm going to do it for free, right? Totally. Yeah. And it, like, makes you look like the bad guy a little bit to, like, the people in your industry and, like, the people you want to be cool with. And, like, my whole philosophy and like this extends beyond just business is like collaboration not competition and maine is a small state like new england's a small community the outdoor space even smaller like my i think a people thrive in collaborative environments working together like creative fields at least for myself i love collaborating with other people Mm -hmm. it takes in like action sports it takes more i can't rely on myself alone to make a good image like i have to work with an athlete or athletes time things right i need to be have good communication they need to have good understanding Mm. and ability when that like synergy is there and we're like working together well like there's no better feeling or i'm working on a video project and like i've got a couple of my friends helping out with it you know different roles filming you know acing whatever and like we're all like collaboratively brainstorming like the end result is like the whole is bigger than the sum of its parts Mm -hmm. for sure so you know like that collaborative environment is a, I think super beneficial to people creatively. And then like B like why view people as competition when like ultimately it's so small and like you don't want to dig yourself into a hole and be an asshole and like step on people's toes. And so like, yeah, another piece of advice I guess is don't be an asshole. Like think of things (laughs) as like, and reach out. Like if you're a photographer and like you're listening to this podcast, like, reach out to me like reach out to the people that you totally. like want to like learn from and aspire to be slide in those dms dude i talk can't to them. it's so worth it to yeah. like just do that once because nobody's gonna be like i'm not gonna be like fuck off like yeah. i don't want to i'm gonna try to help everybody that's in my like, all the time dude you'd be amazed and like i love that about the outdoor industry is like 99 percent of people out there are like super cool just average people they're doing it for the same reasons you do like yep. No one's in this fucking industry to make millions of dollars and like bounce because they see it as a good opportunity. Mm. They're in it because they're passionate about it. And like the best action sports photographers are athletes themselves. Mm-hmm. Like they un- they have to understand the sport to do it. Like they have to be junkies. They have to be fit. They have to like, you know, keep up. So, you know, I'm just as obsessed and passionate about skiing as biking, whatever, like as anyone else is. And, I'm like beyond obsessed about photography, content, filmmaking, whatever. Like, and I just like, I love helping other people. And like 90% of the other photographers out there probably feel similarly. Like, yeah, Yeah. I'm busy as shit. I may not reply right away, but like, I do want to a give back, but you know, be like engage with people, help them out, support them, like be collaborative, like be a community. And so I think that's like, yeah, if if you're a young photographer or filmmaker out there and you want to get into it, just like reach out to the people you look up to. And like I would hope that they would get back to you and just like 
you know, give you some tips and tricks. Like they're not going to tell you, don't ask them like, what camera do you use? Like <laughs> stuff you can look up on YouTube and like figure yeah. out yourself, but like talk to them about the business of the game, talk to them about their struggles, talk to them about their successes and like how they got to those points and like ask honest questions and you'll get like honest, genuine res- responses as a result. I have like a couple of kids in my DMs that like, you know, reach out to me every once in a while and like just ask really good questions like not they're not they're honest questions yeah they're just honest they like want to know like hey like how do i get in the industry do you think this opportunity is a good idea like i have like i finally had a brand reach out to me like how do i price my photos Mm -hmm. in the right way or how do i do licensing and like hell yeah like you've been messaging me for a year about this stuff and you're getting these opportunities all of a sudden like dude, I am here for you. Like, and that kid will remember you too when, like, if that kid makes it, like, and it's not about this, but if that kid makes it, he's going to remember Jamie Walter as the dude who was, like, there for him when he needed some advice, right? Yeah. Because you make a difference in that kid's existence. Totally. And, I, like, not that I'm out, like, obviously that's, like, that's the shit that makes you feel good when you go to bed at night. Yeah. But, like, I have those people in my life that I looked up to, that I reached out to, yeah getting to where I am today and like I will never forget that and I feel like I almost owe it to the industry and like to my legacy to like if I succeeded by like piggybacking off of others I want to be the back that someone else can piggyback on and that's how it should be though yeah like I mean it's like you shouldn't be kicking people down like you really need everybody needs each other in a certain point and at some point you're going to need help from somebody else so 100% it's just how it goes it's just like just be a good fucking person like come on yeah that part's really you would think that'd be a lot easier but (laughs) seriously and it like yeah yeah we'll save that for another day too but um let me ask you a couple more questions then I'll get you out of here because I know you got some time restrictions here um we're good what what does it entail? Like hike. So you did a lot with Drummond last year, a lot in the whites. You're lugging a shit ton of gear everywhere. Do you enjoy that part of it? Like the, like carrying the gear out there, the like <laughs> you take it. I mean, the photos come out beautiful. It looks amazing. It looks like you guys are having a ball, but I imagine it's a bit of a slog to do that kind of thing. It's type two fun for sure. And yeah. like, it's so like fun in the moment. Or not fun in the moment. <laughs> Definitely not fun in the moment, but fun in hindsight. Yeah, yeah. Flub that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> take two. Uh, but it's, I mean, there are some times where it's like an absolute grind. And like, if things aren't working out well, like the weather goes to shit when it shouldn't have. Yeah. Like, there are those moments where you get in your head and you're like, what the fuck am I doing right now? Like, mm. I don't want to be here. It's I'm cold or I'm like exhausted or like... And, like, yeah, you can, like, really beat yourself up sometimes, especially for me when I'm, like, back of the pack with 75 pounds on my back, like, just trying to go up something and, like, just not wanting to. Like, I definitely have those mental battles, like, getting to some deep places in my head on the way up when I'm, like, what's the purpose? And, like, that's tough, right? Because you're trying to, like, what you're thinking, what you're going through mentally and, like, in a creative space it's going to impact like your creative ability. Um, but on the flip side, like there are times where I am the most chipper fucking human being on the planet. And like, I could have twice as much weight on my back and like, I'm trying to get some in position for sunrise Yeah, and like, go, go, go. Like I, I'm drawing <laughs> power deep within me that shouldn't exist. I am. It, my heart is racing at a rate. It shouldn't. Uh, I'm probably fueled on like too little sleep and too much Red Bull. Yeah. I am 
probably pacing myself like I, like literally I I've done some things athletically like I'm admittedly like not the most like fitness based dude like I'm not out Same, running yeah. and like being a hardo and like yeah. I just think that shit's lame and like yes like I ch- <laughs> let me take that back like I <laughs> I love like getting outdoors and being active and like being in shape but like taking it to like some extremes, like I don't know, I just think that's sh- oh, some of them are wild. Like I some watch some of the go things over the top. Yeah, it's just like it's just too much. But, but but like I have like pulled athletic ability out of myself that I didn't know existed, and that like should be impossible. Yeah, to like chase moments. Like there was when I shot up in, we went into Katahdin a couple of winters ago, and we had like this prime weather window. We were the only people in there. It was the the trip of a lifetime. Like we scored so big, and I, like I just like some point in the middle of the trip, I like realized what this opportunity meant. Mm-hmm. That like I may never get this chance again in my lifetime. Like condition, snow conditions are in, weather's good, stability's there. We are like, yeah, the only people in this park. We have this place to ourselves as a playground. Like you gotta fucking shoot the shit out of this, dude. Like what you an adrenaline rush, this. dude. Like that must and be. like. Oh my god! I was just like, two hours of sleep didn't care. Like, uh, I got to get up to the top of this mountain for a Milky Way photo. Fucking drumming, let's go! Like, hike up at and then she looks so good. And then like, bivied. I bivied in a like a we dug out like a little trench. I sat in a bivy sack. I got ninety minutes of great sleep. It was <laughs> ten degrees outside. There was no wind. The wind, or like there was a little wind when we went to bed, but there was no wind when we woke up. I got like the best sleep of my life because I was just so stoked to be there and then caught this like unbelievable sunrise and skied down at sunrise and then just like took an hour nap and was just like, I can't nap. Like I got to get out there and shoot. Yeah. And then like back to it and like just, I was probably, I think I was uber zonked at the end of it. Like it eventually caught up to me like when we got out, but like in this moment, like I was just like so obsessed and so focused on the like photography and like what was going on. It's so fucking stoked. Yeah. Like everything else didn't matter. It was like, it was like the coolest, most surreal scene. Definitely. Like, I don't know. Maybe I was just like young enough that like one day I'm going to try to do that and it's just not going to happen. Mm. I'm going to like blow up like my body in some way. Probably <laughs> will. Cause sometimes I treat it like a trash can, but it's, um, you're also 28. It might not do the same thing at 38. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm, not, yeah, I worry it, about the same. I'll, I'll, I'll probably be singing a different tune in 10 years. but And that might be the maybe though, time maybe it takes not. for you and I to get another podcast yeah, literally, in. Because it's know. probably been 10 years since we, we're like, yeah, let's do this. Dude, it's been so long. It's been like literal years at this point. So, yeah. I mean, it's... I'm glad to be here. I'm glad we're doing it. This is awesome. but For sure. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask you one more question Definitely. about the rig on your truck. What's it for? What is going on? Explain this to me. Explain the background first, like why yeah. we're setting up rigs on cars in general. Totally. And then explain to me like what the setup looks totally. like the whole nine. Hell yeah. So lately, like the last month or two, I have been, well, I guess it started with like a pipe dream when I was like, 14 years old and starting to like like filmmaking and photography i was like i want to film fucking car commercials you know what that <laughs> shit would be sick to do like i want to film a ferrari like i loved cars as a kid like, yeah could identify any car by its headlights sort of deal like just that's was like obsessed with like porsche and lamborghini and ferrari and it was like hey, wouldn't it be so cool to make a car commercial sometime and then like 
the last year or two, like the, over the pandemic, like I've definitely been in like a creative rut and like gone through some life changes and like just been in this place like mentally where it's like, you know, like what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Like, am I doing the right things? Yeah. Like facing like really big questions and like definitely in the doldrums. And then lately, um, like the last month or two, um, I'm helping some friends of mine, Lone Spruce Creative, uh, their main based production company. Um, they hired me to do some work on um, some tourism stuff. And one of the scenes that we had to film was uh, we wanted to film ATVing, like side by side ATVs. Okay. Um, and we wanted to like film from one ATV to another. And there's this. Uh, basically like a spring-loaded arm that attaches to cars or ATVs that they use for car commercials. They're called black arms. Um, and they're just a spring-loaded contraption that essentially like absorbs the motion and bounce of the car and stabilizes the other end where you attach a gimbal and then you have the gimbal with the camera on it and you film from that. It creates hyper-smooth footage. Um, and... So we had this idea to like film it that way. And I, you know, looked up rental rates and nobody north of, there's one person, I think that owns one north of New York city. Um, and they're in Boston and they charge, I don't know, they charge a lot of money to like rent it and operate it. And I was like, wait a minute, I can buy, I should just buy one of these. It'll be an investment. Yeah. And I'll just do the thing. And so like (laughs) lately my like, latest kind of business idea adventure is just like creating investing in learning and operating like camera equipment and like creative rigging uh things that like are unconventional and like not commonplace but like need you need experience and knowledge to produce and create and like you know set the equipment up and operate it and um, so my mission is to, you know, like get into like underwater, f- f- like filming and photography, car rigging, obviously with this like contraption that I have on my truck, uh, slow motion time-lapse. I've done a lot of time-lapse work l- lately. That's been a lot of fun for me. Motion control. And like so much of that, like goes back, like all the way full circle to like my engineering mind and just like wanting to problem solve and like design shit and, build cool camera rigs so i started i was like you know what like this answers a lot of my questions i want to film car commercials i'm going to invest in some of the gear that allows me to do that Mm -hmm. and i don't know how to use it yet but like i'm gonna learn it and so like for the last month or two i've been slowly piecing together this uh black arm rig setup for my camera i have it wired to a truck um where there's all this what they call speed rail it's aluminum pipe all the pipe kind of trusses together and joins in different ways around like kind of the shell of my car, the arm then mounts onto the rail and then you put a gimbal on it with the camera and then you wire the gimbal to a remote controller. So I sit in the back of my truck and I watch a monitor. That's the camera feed and I play a video game and just get to like zoom in, zoom (laughs) out, focus, like pan up, pan down, pan left, pan right. Like just, it's the fun as shit dude it is so fun i'm so here it's for unfortunate it. that this isn't video because people can't see you fucking grinning ear to ear about this <laughs> right now but it's like it's, right now. it's so much fun um 
yeah, I'll uh, I'll definitely when this episode drops, I'll be sure to post some photos of that. Yeah. Um, on my Instagram, which is at jwalter1337, which is my new schooler's username back in the day. <laughs> uh, still have it in there. It's on my license plate. I don't know if you yeah, saw it driving saw over. Jwalter1337 is the license plate. That's just amazing. owning it, man. It's the brand. Um, but yeah, so like the vision was just there, and now two days from now, I'm filming a. Uh, you know like people found out already that i have this rig i invested in uh a company was filming a car commercial like a national car commercial in a couple days i can't speak to brands and all that stuff but uh i'm filming a car commercial in two days yeah fucking you brought this up earlier and i was like oh yeah that's cool and you brought it up like so fucking casual but if it's like a dream of yours to be shooting <laughs> yeah this i've been wanting thing. to do it for forever and that's amazing like reaching out and that's... like hey can you help us with this like we hear you have this setup and like so that level of fulfillment is like yeah. gotta be crazy it's cool man and it's just like it it all came from like being in kind of a not so great place and just being like why am i doing this what am i doing i want to do what i want to do yeah. And you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. I'm going to like make some, you know, pull some strings. I'm going to do what I need to do to make it happen. And, uh, you know, it's an investment, like, but I'm going to commit to it and put in the effort to make it work. And like, it's so rewarding and cool when that happens and like pans out the way you kind of anticipate it and probably will unfold in ways I, you know, today can't tell you what will happen, right. but like, Five years from now, when we catch up on podcast number two, maybe yeah. <laughs> I can tell you some cool ass stories about it. Who knows? Or maybe it'll be a complete failure. But like, that's and like this is a good note to kind of wrap up on. But, um, you know, I will always the way I look at my career in photography. Like, I've been so blessed and lucky to have been able to do what I want, do what I love to do, as a job, as a career it's taken my camera has taken me to these incredible places. I've gone on these amazing trips. I've made awesome connections. I've made money like enough to survive mm. and like make this career. Like I always feel like I'm on borrowed time a little bit and like, but like no matter what happens with like any decision I make, like business wise moving forward, like I've already considered myself like so successful and lucky that like in a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years when I die, like, if it works out or it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Mm. Like I will always look back on this time in my life and be like, dude, you spent your twenties totally. shooting photos, traveling the world, working with athletes that were your role models as a kid. Now shooting car commercials that you always wanted to shoot. Yeah. Like, you know, whatever. Like no, nobody can ever take that from like, that's... I can never take it. And I have like tangible proof of it, which <laughs> yeah. is cool. Like I, yeah. I like we're down in my basement office right now and it's, a bummer because all the walls are blank but i'm like planning to build a personal like photo archive down here of like should, prints yeah. of like my favorite images that are just like i could sit here and like we could point to one and i could just tell you a long ass story about it and like this one is i love this photo like the katahdin milky way photo yeah. that i have from that day is like there's a whole story to it and like a yeah. moment in my life where i was just like in this like literal like euphoric like space where i just like w it was almost out of body experience that so, like was that real and then like hey i have this photo it's literal I, I literally it was right there yeah, yeah. proof so like yeah i'm just super thankful and appreciative and i yeah i have a lot of people to thank and like owe a lot to so many photographers and filmmakers and community members new schoolers and 
all the local photographers I bugged the shit out of as a kid to get to where I am. My former boss, Ethan Austin, my family, my mom, my dad, my brother, who's actually recording on his birthday today. So shout out to Mac Walter, who's uh, he's actually he was New Schoolers member of the year last year. So he's oh, still shit posting. He's, he's, his wow. username is little Lee, little one, three, three, seven. He's holding down the shit posting for it for me. <laughs> I think he surpassed me in karma on there, which is a little annoying, but um, it runs in the family. So <laughs> happy birthday to Mac. Yeah, happy birthday to Mac. Um, Steo, who's been a longtime partner and sponsor of mine, uh, they're based in Jackson Hole, and they've I've loved working with them as a brand. Uh, Amalgam Skis, Sugarloaf, like all these different companies and people that I've worked with over the years that like. I will always owe so much to and like yeah. appreciate having those relationships with and um, yeah, like we'll never forget the times that I've had, whether it lasts for another five months or five years or 50 years. Yeah. It doesn't really matter at this point, like whatever. But like, obviously like I also have that like hunger and drive there to like continue on. Like this shit's just getting started and that's like, Again, like the shit-eating grin, like just like yeah, you're let's go hyped. next next level. Like still excited, so yeah, man, it's it's cool. Where can people find you on the internet? Where can people find you on Instagram? Where can people look at your stuff? Like, what's uh, where are you at? So I am at J Walter one three three seven. So J W A L T E R one three three seven. The one three three seven is leet for all those internet nerds out there. That was my <laughs> new schooler's username. Uh, so I'm on that on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, my website is jamiewalter.com. Uh, I'll be updating that with some video stuff soon. It's got a lot of my ski photography, and there's a link to prints if you want some. Um, if you people ever want to buy prints, I've been making these really cool aluminum metal prints. Uh, or I could do ski posters for your dorm room, whatever. Um, I've been really loving doing that and it's really rewarding. So if people want prints, give me a shout out, send me a DM on Instagram or an email. Uh, I'll give you a discount if you mention the out of bounds podcast. <laughs> and, love uh, that. yeah, it's thank you, Adam, for the time and course, for having man. me on here, man. This thank has you. Been Glad fun. we got it done. Glad we finally got it done. <laughs> Amen. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Jamie Walter. That is by, yeah, it's it's my favorite episode of the year. It's hard to say because like I there's been so many good ones this year, so many that I walk away from, and, I, and there's actually a couple more coming up in the next few weeks. I'm going to be like, this is my favorite. But Jamie's the man, and I really, really enjoyed this one, and it's been a long time coming. So I hope you guys enjoy, and I will talk to you guys next week. I can't remember who I have for next. Oh, we've got some good ones coming. All right, I'm, I'm not even going to tell you. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs>